Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's double feature are some swinging vampire movies with Dracula and Daughters of Darkness. I thought that was the Kardashians. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I've been I've been so crazy busy at work that my brain has completely ceased to function. So that's questioning if it was functioning in the first place. Oh my God. Between, between going to that funeral last month and two audits and, and all this fucking shit, I'm so like... No, normally, my work month about halfway through the month, I've got all my shit done, and now I'm going into work and just working as fast as I fucking can all fucking day. And I get to the end of the day, and I'm like, I don't have enough hours this week to get everything done. No, it's gonna be fired soon. That's what it sounds now, like to me. No, we got the highest mark on our audit as you can get, so I'm pretty sure I'm got some job security no no it's just exhausting and then lando was like i ain't going to bed motherfucker (laughs) yeah he's like he pulls this shit where he knows how to play me so he's like we got to read these two star wars books before bed dad and i'm like well shit you know that's gonna work like i don't know how to say no to that (laughs) see that's why you buy him those old school uh, gremlins like book and records. So then the record player can read the book to him. The record player? Yeah. Then I'm up all night explaining to him what a record player is. It doesn't matter. There's YouTube videos for that. Don't don't roll over in your bed. You'll make it skip. <laughs> he found a... Ironically, it actually is one of those books on tape that you're talking about, but it's a cassette, not a record, Mm -hmm. um, for The Last Starfighter. Well, I found it at my parents' house, and I was kind of hiding it so I could slip it in my pocket and bring it home just to have it, even though I don't have a cassette player. (laughs) And uh, I was like, he was like asking what it was, and I was trying to explain to him that there's like a machine, and you put this in, and it plays music, and he couldn't even comprehend that staring at a cassette. He's just like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> doesn't just magically appear out of the air he's like he's like i can't yell like hey siri read me the last starfighter and it'll do it <laughs> <sighs> growing up in a slightly different world than we did yeah you had all those gremlins uh book and records those things were amazing i loved that stuff when i was a kid my last starfighter one was probably my favorite maybe only because it was a cassette so i could put it in my walkman and do it in the car and not to listen to my family. So. It is. <laughs> it is interesting that not so not necessarily the kids that are growing up right now, but maybe the the next squad of them 
they're gonna look at us like we were fucking cavemen. Oh yeah, and that's so weird. It's so weird to think about where they're gonna be like. You had to turn on the lights using a switch. Yeah. What the fuck is a switch? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Like we're all nostalgic for like video stores. Can you imagine like one one more generation removed where you explain to them they're like. So I wanted to watch a movie. So I went outside. I got in a car, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> Do you have cars? It's mind-boggling, and you're like, "Then I started it up." And like you started the car by yourself. It doesn't do that automatically. <laughs> so I put the key in the ignition. I turned it. They're like you have to turn a key. You can't just push that magic button. I <laughs> did. I I have already tried to explain to my kid the concept that like when I was young phones were like a thing that hung on the wall and you had to like if you wanted to talk to somebody you just picked it up and you had to sit beside it in order to have the conversation and he's like it, it doesn't compute to him at all he's like why didn't you just send a message and i'm like no that's not that wasn't an option yeah it's it's interesting that uh how hard that is to process because i i mean i grew up i had a rotary fucking phone in the house whenever mm-hmm. i was a child yeah. Try, and, grow, try growing up living with your grandparents. That's what I had to do. Right. And I'm saying, but even now, even with the fact that I legit grew up with that, I see a rotary phone and I'm like, oh, well, that's some old timey bullshit. And I'm like, no, wait, I used one of those. <laughs> oh, it's it's fucking crazy when you think about how much technology has advanced like you think about our lifetimes with like like my dad legitimately grew up in a house that didn't have running water like they went out and fetched water from the well and i'm like hey, can you even conceive of that in today's world like in north america not in like you know some third world country but i mean the crazy what... thing is there's places in appalachia and shit where they're still doing that uh, i remember trying to convince my grandparents like we should get call waiting <laughs> What kind of devil bullshit is that? I'm not getting. I'm not paying extra to have another phone line. Why would you? Why would you ever need to be able to take two calls? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's funny because you say all that. But it's like I even remember email becoming a thing, and like I knew of the concept of email, and I knew that businessmen sent each other messages over the computer and stuff. But like when my friends started getting email addresses, I'm like, if I just want to talk to you, I'll just get on my bike and come over to your house. Like, and I'll knock on the door. I, I don't understand why I would want to get on the computer to send a message to a friend. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to send you a letter through the computer instead of just come say hi. I don't. And and now it's like 99% well, of my communication is through like messaging and the only people I talk to every week are you two and we do it over Skype. Yeah, See, I was going to say messaging yet. Yes. I'm still not a hundred percent convinced of the usefulness of email. Well, I think email would be very useful if you didn't have text messages or instant or instant messaging, but, but the technology of instant messaging came within five years of email existing. Yeah. So, yeah, but... I, like I said, email is nothing but a giant thing that you're forced to give out to subscribe to things that you want to have and receive junk. I mean, that's it. Well, no, no, because there is instances like the three of us on this show want people to email in and talk to us, but none of us are going to give up our 
home phone numbers so that they could just text message us instead. Right. And and I appreciate the emails, but once again, they could just as easily Facebook Messenger the show, put a note on our Instagram, put a note on our Facebook, put a note on there's there's a million other ways they could contact us. No. Email. Email's the best way. Don't be giving <laughs> don't be giving them ideas, Noah. Flood our inboxes. As much as the three of us to to at Freak Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) As much as uh, as much as we enjoy the the people sending stuff in, I mean, I'm I'm an introvert. I don't want people random people I don't know sending me messages that I feel like I have to respond to before we do the show. I have to steal that joke from Sans Pants. It's a really funny running joke. Every time they do a show and they say something that's mildly controversial, they say, send all your complaints to at doucher 13 and all this kind of stuff. Who's one of the other guys who does a show on that network, but isn't on the show with them. Nice. But then why'd you give out my information? God damn you. Because it's funny. You should have gave out fat kids information. That would have been much funnier. He's not even on a podcast anymore. That would be triply funny. Uh, I sent a picture I saw uh, to, that. to the chat room. Apparently someone found this book and thinks there needs to be a movie, and I don't disagree with them. Uh, the title of this book is Amish Vampires in Space. I'm just saying, if that popped up on Tubi, I would probably watch it. Oh, probably. I don't I don't know if I could say no to that. But I guess if they don't use technology, how do they get in space to begin with? Although, the cover art... I feel is inaccurate because I worked around a lot of Amish people for a long time and uh, I've never seen an Amish woman that's that attractive in my entire life. <laughs> Boom. Shots fired, Amish people. You're not even going to be able to respond because you're not even listening to this because it takes right. technology to do so. It's a, victim, it's a victimless crime. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, speaking of vampires, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a clever segue this week. Well, that actually was a much better segue than we usually use. Why you're turning right, on yourself? Because yeah, because it's yeah, not fun. Ready to say, that is that is an actual segue. That's like yeah. a, a real thing. But that's no fun. Uh, so Doug, you picked you picked two uh, vampire movies. Uh, we just randomly said 1970 Dracula, and then when we looked, there was no 1970 Dracula. So we just. No, that's that's inaccurate. There's a there's a lot of confusion this week with regards to the movies. Um, yeah. The 1970 version of Dracula is the one with Klaus Kinski in it, which we have also talked about doing on the show. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that's where some of the confusion came in was like, which one of these are we supposed to be doing? Yeah, uh, but then you asked, that's the one with Jack Palance, right? And I and was like, said, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that one's 1974, and I mean, I'm just like, man. One Dracula for another. I mean, I my, we're, opi- we're doing my opinion Balance. is this. Can you really go wrong with a fucking Dracula adaptation? Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> Turns out. I watched one on Masterpiece Theater once because I was excited. Because I'm like, there's never been like a really good, like straightforward adaptation of the book. And I'm like, of all shows, Masterpiece Theater, obviously, would come up with, no, they did a terrible one. Huh. They bas- they basically came up with that Dracula was just giving everybody syphilis, <laughs> and I'm just like, what? God. 
<laughs> well, now I gotta go track that down. God damn it! Ugh, it's terrible. Uh, and then we teamed that up with Daughters of Darkness. Who there was some discussion of who actually came up with this with this pairing. It was uh, Doug. Don't you guys remember him coming into the room and punching a child, <laughs> and, and then screaming, "We're doing Daughters of Darkness." It's being added to the list. This has nothing to do with <laughs> Noah or a listener request. Uh, I do seem to remember that. But... He said it in those exact words. <laughs> uh, but... You guys know everyone could listen to last week's show and hear our actual discussion, right? Uh, I don't I don't know. Is there a show from I last week? I don't recall doing a show last week. Well, I don't know. Um but Tracy did send us a long list of movies, and we did notice this movie on that list, and then it showed up on our list. I don't know who put it there, but so it's been done, and we're going to talk about it for better or worse. Um, but before we get started, I guess, uh, Noah, do you want to talk about Dracula from 1974, or specifically this weirdly titled Dan Curtis's Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's Dan Curtis's Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it has so many names. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do. I really need to go through the plot of Dracula. Don't it's how it's many Dracula. Dracula movies have we done? It's Dracula. Like it, it, it's a once again, it's a pretty faithful telling of Dracula. Uh, sort of. I mean, there's a, some mild differences. Uh, right. Apparently, apparently, this is the first uh, screen adaptation to actually use the uh, the uh, sort of gimmick that Mina looks just like his long lost wife. Well, Lucy, uh, or Lucy, or whatever mixed up, convoluted way they want to do it <laughs> this time around. The woman looks like his his dead wife, and so that's why he Dracula becomes infatuated with her. And apparently, this is the first time they did it um, on screen. Yeah, it's not that way in the book, and it's never been done that way before at this point. Yeah, uh, but it, like like you said, it's 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 the same story. I mean, yeah, jo- Jonathan goes to Transylvania. Get stuck in a castle. Dracula's like, who's this hot lady in this photo? I'm going to go fuck that. Uh, and by fuck that, I mean fuck that with my teeth until she is my undead slave. Mm-hmm. And he goes he goes to America and, and John gets it by a bunch of lady vampires. And then a doctor who is <laughs> of the... Uh, both a fantastic doctor and a terrible skeptic, but I guess that works out for him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if if the first place a doctor goes is vampire, I mean, <laughs> a new doctor, <laughs> it's not a good doctor. That should be the third or fourth place he goes after after anemia and all the other possibilities then then vampires are the only logical <laughs> conclusion well, I, feel, uh, I feel the anemia is generally caused by a bite to the neck uh, you know right uh, and this adaptation also has Jonathan Harker succumbing to the vampire women and yeah. not really taking 
taking any uh, any sort of part in the rest of the movie. The, yeah, the biggest part, the biggest change between this movie and the traditional story and most other adaptations is that Jonathan Harker is almost non-existent in this movie. He shows up at the beginning. He's never makes it home from Transylvania. He never comes back. He never, he's not involved in the rest of the story at all. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's probably my biggest thing about the movie. I would say right off the bat. So they choose to start the movie in, in Transylvania. They basically start at famously in the story, Jonathan Harker's when he's traveling to Transylvania always stops at that one hotel where everyone's like, Oh my God, you're going to castle Dracula. And he's like, yeah, why? What's such a big deal? <laughs> and they all clearly don't think he should go, but none of them tell him why. Um, it starts there, right? It edits out everything leading up to that. So we don't have Renfield and all that kind of fun stuff at the beginning. And then Jonathan Harker is the main character for the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then he disappears. Yeah. Lack <laughs> Lack of the Renfield character is probably yeah. my biggest complaint of this movie. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I've always that's, loved Renfield. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I also think, like, if you're going to start the story halfway through the way they did, why not jump it even more? And just, like, why have them be in Transylvania at all? Just start with Dracula arriving in London. Would that make more sense? I suppose so. Like, why yeah. why spend all that time with with Dracula and Jonathan Harker if Jonathan Harker then disappears as a character for the remainder of the movie? It felt like a felt like a real weird shift to me when it was like our main character is just gone, and I kept thinking like, when's he going to show back up? And he never does. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like weird, or he does at the very end for a moment, but like it's I don't understand why you would spend so much time with a character that doesn't matter plot wise uh so what do we think of this adaptation it's it's all right yeah it's 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 okay um you can tell it's like made on a 70s british tv budget and you can tell that they were you know compressed for time and that's you know that's why we don't get a renfield is because they don't have an extra half an hour to put on the beginning of this movie Mm -hmm. but so it's okay did anybody else was anybody else disappointed with Jack Palance as Dracula? No, I actually rather enjoyed his performance. Like, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, subtle. Like, it's it's real low key for Jack Palance. Well, yeah, definitely it was, and I did like that's not what I was hoping for. I was hoping for Jack Palance, right? I was hoping for a big version of it. <laughs> but my biggest thing, I guess, it's not his fault. It's more the characterization that the, the director would and the writers and stuff would have come up with. I was going to call him very stoic in this movie. Yeah, I, I just didn't think he felt supernatural enough. That was my biggest complaint. I guess sure. most specifically is that scene where he enters the hotel and they all try to stop him. And it's just, it's like a fist fight he gets into. And it's like, why is Dracula in a fist fight right now? I would say, like, Dracula chokes a lot of bitches in this movie. Yeah, he does. He likes to choke people out. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't understand. Doesn't he have like magic powers and big bitey teeth and stuff? And I why doesn't he that, use those? I always thought the choke was kind of the Boris Karloff mummy move. Yeah, it's it, the choke is the go-to, like for murder, like before they knew how to show murder on film. Like if you watch like werewolf movies from like 
the 30s, like pre the Wolfman. That's how the werewolves kill people in all those movies and stuff. It's weird. Right. Werewolf of London is like the one that I'm going to in my head. It's just like it's it's all these like because it's just so shocking at that point in time to see someone die on screen that you just portray it in like the most kind of subtle way possible. But then you've got by the time this movie comes out, it's the 70s. It's like I don't really want to watch Dracula choke people, bite a guy, slash him up. Because they're not scared to go there. Like, at one point, when he gets Lucy to drink his blood, and he, like, rips open his shirt and cuts his chest, and he's forcing his face into her chest, so he drink. Like, they're not scared to go there with the violence. So why are they so hesitant at other points in the movie? I don't know. It's a little weird. I don't know. I kind of... I really liked some of his... Uh, I don't know, his reactions to stuff. Like, toward the end, whenever they're trying to fend him off with the cross, and his kind of, like looking at them and looking away over and over again. And I, I don't know. There's something he, he does a very good job of playing Dracula is this, this being of just kind of sadness and rage. And that's all he is. Yeah, I can see that. I liked the arrogance he brought to the role. And I thought that worked like at one point when they're like, trying to fight him and he's like you understand I commanded armies 400 years before you were born right like he's just like fuck you <laughs> I did I like that element of it maybe that's why he's just he's does he just chokes people it's just, he's like man I don't need to put out that much energy is Dracula Jesus. gonna have to choke a bitch right exactly <laughs> uh, we should point out I think Doug pointed this out on Instagram uh, made by the guy who made uh Dark Shadows and uh, written by Richard Matheson. Yeah, which is my second favorite author of all time. Surprisingly straight for the guy who did Dark Shadows. (laughs) Well, oddly enough, that's where the uh, the uh, oh she looks like my wife comes from because it was a plot point on Dark Shadows. Is that right? That's what it said in IMDb trivia. Huh. So he basically ripped himself off. Did you guys ever watch Dark Shadows? I remember catching a little pieces here and there, but I've never actually sat down to watch it. Yeah, it's seen. it's interesting because it it kind of sucks, right? Sure. <laughs> and, and it sucks right up into the point where they decided, okay, this show is about uh Barnabas Collins the vampire that's that's where we're going with this and then all of a sudden it's good from then on out i mean it's still a soap opera mm-hmm. so it's not exactly high art or anything like that but it's just amazing how it goes from this show that you're like what the fuck is this stupid <laughs> shit to be in like all right vampire let's go i was in uh, mega replay uh couple maybe Six months ago, uh, for those who don't know, Mega Replay around here is a uh, a used game store, like specifically video games. But then they also sell Blu-rays, DVDs, uh, you know, other pop culture uh, fun stuff. And they had a used copy of that giant uh, coffin-shaped uh, Dark Shadows collection. Oh yeah. And some dude bought it while I was standing there because it was like 200 bucks or 300 bucks or something. 
Yeah, see, that's the whole thing. So, something like that, it's really cool, and I would love to have it, but mm. I don't love Dark Shadows enough to spend $300 <laughs> on box set. Plus, are you actually going to sit down and watch every episode? Because, I mean, it's oh, so popular. How, how, how many fucking episodes is it? It's got to be like a billion episodes. My guess is a fucking lot. But well, same thing with up. Doctor Who, and I've sat down and watched all of Doctor Who. Well, it doesn't seem like Doctor Who would be as many episodes, but I may be wrong. And the, um, not, I'm not talking about the Johnny Depp fucking movie remake, but the, uh, the, the, uh, TV miniseries they did of Dark Shadows where they darkened it up and gave it a more serious vampire tone to it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, come on. Man, my internet's been so fucking slow. Um, really? There's nothing that just tells me how many episodes are in this entire... Are we doing a Dark Shadows podcast right now anyway? Should we talk about Dracula more? Uh, I mean, it's Dracula. We've, t- we've talked about Dracula so many times. Let's talk about Barnabas <laughs> Collins, who totally isn't Dracula. No, we were just talking about Dan Curtis, though, who made uh, Dark Shadows. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else you liked from this, Doug? Uh, I thought, well, speaking of Richard Matheson writing it, you could tell somebody with a lot of um, TV experience was in charge of this script, because they did a really good job of bringing the story down to like whatever the movie is like an hour and a half right mm-hmm. that's, you know there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in Dracula they they managed to do I found intelligent ways uh, to have just enough exposition to keep the story moving along so if you don't know the story you can still follow what's going on but if you're you know a longtime Dracula fan then you mm-hmm. you would kind of wouldn't be bored with watching them try to figure out what's going on Although I found certain times that it was like, considering how efficient the movie was, considering, you know, we skipped the whole Renfield stuff, considering a lot of the explanation about the Demeter was done in dialogue rather than showing us the actual boat. And then you get to the point where they're looking for Dracula and we're watching Van Helsing and uh, and whatever that other guy's name is. Uh, go like around to different shipping places trying to like follow Dracula's paper trail and I'm like I don't know if we need to see as much of this as we're seeing (laughs) (laughs) so there were some strange decisions made when it came to that well and there's no suspense to it it's like them at one cut to the next one cut to the next one yeah yeah it reminded me of watching like like I think it's maybe a BBC thing like an old Sherlock Holmes you would see that where he's like, I've got to figure this out. And then there's like a montage of him reading a book and he's like, I got it. And then he just says what the answer is. And you're like, <laughs> I, it's like, well, what was the point of that exactly? Like, I don't understand. And I felt the same way watching this. It was kind of like, yeah, it's as much as like, again, I appreciate the efficiency in the storytelling. It seemed like it was a weird way to handle that particular element of it. And all it comes down to is like, we're going to go, like as an audience, we already know where he is right like we know he's at carfax abbey because a it's dracula and everybody already knows that and b we were told that earlier on in the movie so it's sort of a it's almost like they wanted to make it in real time and make it seem like those guys like justify the fact that they always show up a little too late (laughs) to save the day but uh by the way 
There were 1,225 episodes of Dark Shadows. There were 862 episodes of Doctor Who. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, I was worried that we were on track for a little too long. No, yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. So anyways, next week on Dark Shadows, the podcast. Well, I mean, we can make that happen because it looks like Dark Shadows is on Tubi. So enjoy. We're watching. We're not going to be having next week's show on a 1,200 episode show. Well, I mean, I'm oh, going to be gone, I mean, so whatever next, you two guys come up with. Next week's episode will just be the first five. We'll just do them five at a time until we get to the whole series. <laughs> We're completely reformatting the show. We're now going to be a Dark Shadows rewatch podcast. Midnight Shadows podcast? Um, yeah, so uh, maybe I'll start watching Dark Shadows. We'll see. Like you said, don't judge it too harshly at the beginning, because until they kind of hit their groove with the vampire stuff, it doesn't work yeah. we'll see i promise a lot of things and as we'll find out later uh, i don't follow through with them so um so we positive yay nay on dracula yeah it's fine it's not it's not the best adaptation of dracula i've ever seen mm-hmm. it's not the worst adaptation i've ever seen it's got jack plants in it so i did see one criticism that it looks like it takes like the stuff in quote-unquote dracula castle Looks like it takes place in a mansion and not really a castle, which I'd agree with. Did I else? feel I feel that's pretty nitpicky for a low budget Dracula movie. Sure, I'm just yeah. Well, if if we're gonna get nitpicky, did anybody else think it was weird that like how well painted Dracula's castle was? Is that is that kind of the same <laughs> point? I guess like it didn't seem decrepit at all. It seemed like it was just very nice and it had like bright blue walls. And I'm like, eh, that's strange to me not run down enough yeah and I, I didn't think the color schemes felt but then again I don't know like in ancient Hungary what how they decorated so I can't say for sure but it didn't feel right to have bright blue walls and the doors were all painted white instead of being like just wood stuff because mm. ironically when they get back to to England and they have I think they did a good job of using like rooms with red walls when they were like trying to symbolize that there was like it was a darker time and there was a lot of blood being lost and all that kind of stuff. And I thought those places looked really good, but I, I can see the point that maybe Dracula's castle stuff was filmed in a very similar environment to the England stuff, as opposed to it looking very different. It almost reminded me, I guess now that I'm thinking about it as like a stage play where it seems like they only had a limited number of ways things could look. And they just tried to make it look a little different so that you'd know you were in a different environment and they're like, well, there's a whole story about a boat, but we can't really bring a boat out on stage, so we're just going to have somebody tell that part of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, like, it, in, in a lot of ways, and, I, and again, it's a BBC production, I think, and it's a lot of them are that way, where it does feel very much like a stage production. A lot of that sort of British stuff in the 70s feels that way. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if, like, if, if you're a Dracula completist, I don't think you'll be offended by this one. But if you're the kind of person who's only going to watch one Dracula movie a year, I wouldn't put this one high up on your list either. There are probably better ones. Probably that other one. There, the there are ones with better. Christopher Lee in it. That's, yeah. that, that should be your one and only reason to watch. That Well, that's ironically, that's the 1970 version that we 
didn't watch. I think Christopher Lee sure. plays Dracula. It's like his only time he played Dracula outside of the Hammer films. So it, it could be a... If I'm thinking of the right movie, because obviously I thought that Jack Palance was in the same one as Klaus Kinski and I was wrong. But uh, if, you know, Christopher Lee, I think, as Dracula in a, in a more serious toned film could be very interesting. Mm. Uh, 1970 Scars of Dracula was indeed a Hammer film. So, yeah. I know you did. Didn't he do one for Just Franco? Yeah. So it's I obviously was, not the 1970 yeah. version. Yeah. But. And speaking yeah. of stage productions, back on our Dark Shadows rewatch podcast. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, uh, we need to figure out a way to do uh, Christopher Lee vampire movies on here. Like, okay. can we do like a month? I don't know. Be, be that hard? Well, he he played him ten times, but I'm saying like. Is there a way we could do them all in order on the show? Um, I don't know, just for funsies, but. Well, I don't think we'd want to do all 10. But we could see. See, there we go. That's where Doug comes in to drop the hammer and all the fun. See, that sounds. I think it sounds like a good fit for month, month, year. Uh, See that you can stay on track about, but everything else I try to fucking. <laughs> well, Doug, Doug, it Listen, sounds like you're, I'm, you're, just, you're... I'm just here to derail shit, Doug. I know, <laughs> I know. It's my punishment for agreeing to be on this podcast. Doug, it sounds like you're getting uh, frustrated. So why don't you calm yourself down a little bit and tell us about Daughters of Darkness? Well, it is reasonable to say that when you're watching Daughters of Darkness, you won't get overly excited. I think that that's fair. <laughs> that's true. Uh, you want the plot description of Daughters of Darkness? Sure. So, uh, a young couple was recently married. They are on their way back to England to introduce the wife to the husband's family. Due to a train derailment, they're stuck in Belgium. Right? Sure. And a small coastal town in Belgium that they everyone else seems to know the name of, like it's a touristy place, but I don't recognize it. Uh, but it's winter, so they go to this fancy hotel and they're like the only guests there. And they so they get the nicest suite and all that. A um, couple days later, a nice vampire lady shows up, but they do everything they can to not tell us she's a vampire despite the fact that she's a Hungarian count and all of the locals remember her being there 40 years earlier and remember her looking exactly the same so anybody who's ever seen a movie before knows she's a vampire right at that point um, and she's carrying with her one of her they don't, they don't even give it a name but it's a, a familiar is the term I use to describe the human that travels with a vampire and does their bidding she refers to her as her aide aide? okay at one point, she calls her like her secretary when she's making up excuses to have her around. Um, I I think she's already also turned. I think it's well. If it were a better made movie, we'd know the answer to that. Yes. Um, but anyways, the plot goes on. They're all in the hotel together. They're talking. The vampire is taking a liking to this other couple. Uh, one town over is Bruges. And in Bruges, there's a really interesting story going on about a bunch of murderers and the police are trying to figure out who did it and all that. But we don't 
we don't want to talk about that in this movie. We want to stay in this one hotel for as much of the film as possible. So we reference all this interesting shit happening outside of the hotel, but we don't go and, and get to see any of that. And the movie proceeds to go on. And I'm not exactly sure, again, exactly what happened here, but I think the vampire is sort of like, quote unquote, seducing the couple and making them uh, behave inappropriately. Eventually, the husband like beats the shit out of the wife. The wife goes to leave, but the vampire is like, "Nah, I don't go." So she comes back, um, and then the, po- the possibly human, possibly t- this is why I think she's human. Noah is because she's killed in a ridiculous comedic accident that feels like it's out of like a slapstick comedy. Well, but the the triggering of the accident is him pulling her into the shower. And one of the established things in the movie, although very quickly in passing, is that these these are the type of vampires that can't stand uh, running water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But she dies by being, again, she slips coming out of the shower. She lands on a straight razor that has somehow managed to fall on the floor, poking straight up. Um, so... I don't understand how, why that would kill a vampire. So it's not clear. <laughs> the 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 vampire rules seem to be pretty vague. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff that's pretty vague in this movie. Anyway, so yeah, then basically the movie ends with the uh, the vampire chick takes off taking the wife as her new familiar. There's a big car accident. The vampire chick dies, and now the wife is the new vampire chick who's going to go meet a new couple at a different hotel and have a different boring boring stay at a hotel um, <laughs> although the ending we can get to the ending too but it's a little ambiguous it oh, yeah. has like multiple things that could be going on so I'm not right. sure well yeah okay so let's go through all the things in the movie that we found confusing and see if we can come up with answers to any of it because well I don't know if I, I was confused by a lot of it I was just really bored by a lot of it so so here's the weird thing. I know you guys are mostly negative on this movie. No, I was going to love it. No, I don't. I don't love it, but I enjoyed it. I don't I don't have a lot of straightforward complaints. It's not my type of movie. But I, I found the themes in it to be interesting. But. My my biggest problem is the the entire angle of vampirism in the film is worthless. It it has no bearing on the story, on the on the the thing that is being told. You could completely take vampires out of this film and and just make it over. Okay. It's, it's the same film and it's still all right. Like What's what's the thing that's being told? Let's 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 elaborate on that. Cause... Okay, so so the, there's a lot of interplay that has to do with uh, dominating and abusive relationships. Okay, I, I don't know if you noticed the running theme. So the the vampiress is kind of abusive and negligent to her familiar. Yeah. The husband is both physically and emotionally abusive to the new wife. He secretly apparently has a weird gay lover thing going on, and that dude's kind of domineering and controlling over him. 
And there, so, there's there's like this there's this idea of almost uh, like sexual dominance. There's even a really interesting part where the female vampire, when she's wooing her her new blonde love interest, kind of makes this argument that all men are bastards and all they want to do is subjugate women and turn them into yeah. objects of pleasure and and slaves. And the sweet irony is, is that's exactly what she's doing. She's doing the exact same thing that he's doing. She's just doing it differently. Well, though, and I, and I figured out that I understand what you're saying, that she was basically ratting herself out, basically saying, can you believe this is what he would do to you when she's also doing it? Um, what I didn't understand, and this is where... The, like I know Brian said, like there, there's a physical beating scene that happens in this movie between the husband and wife, and mm. it is brutal. Like that is the one thing you can say; they do not fucking hold back. And what I'm wondering is, like, w- was the vampire corrupting him in some way and turning him evil, and that's why he was being worse and worse to the wife, or was he just supposed to no. be a fucking bastard the whole time? Well, I think it's I think it's partially that he's a bastard. I think the other part of it is supposed to be that and once again, this this movie doesn't explain things very well. This this movie comes off as a very uh French people smoking cigarettes in a cafe movie. Sure does. Right, where we're like I I don't know where you're supposed to pick up on the, on all this fucking subtext that is not explained very well and i think it's supposed to be that he's secretly at least bisexual if not gay so and and then he has this other relationship with this guy who apparently judging by what's going on that guy is the source of his money so once he gets cut off, he's he's done and he hasn't told his wife any of this stuff and he's acting out out of his own shame. OK, so so you're they keep referring to him not wanting to go home to his mother this whole time. And when he finally calls home to talk to mother, it's like a stereotypical gay guy that he's calling. Right. Your right. Interpretation is that's his gay lover. Yes, I I, I legit didn't get that from the movie. Yeah, sugar. I, I thought it's his, I, it's his sugar daddy. Okay. I honestly like watching, and this is why I'm saying I think there's potential here for a good movie. I think it's not a very well made movie, and that's the problem. Because, like, I took that as just like a joke that his mom was really a transgendered man. Uh, that's how I took that. And I'm like, mm. I don't find that. First of all, I don't find it funny. But secondly, I'm like, it does not apply in this movie. And I didn't understand why it was there. I didn't figure out. Like, they need to make that clear. You know what I mean? Like, you have lines of dialogue about that. You don't expect me to read all that into it. Yeah. Yeah, I completely right. missed that until until you just brought this up now. That makes a little bit more sense, but... Yeah, like, like it does, but I mean, like, that's... I, I, and, and I have to assume Noah's right on this, because mm. I have to assume that there was some purpose to this stuff happening. But it just feels like it feels as though it's like one of those things where it's like you you need to make that more clear in your movie and you need to make that like 
like we I have to know what's going on in order if I'm going to spend my time and energy watching a movie worrying about the themes then the plot points have to be very obvious and very clear so that my mind can wander on to like what does this mean and when I don't understand what's happening like what the actual story of the movie is then how can I possibly spend the time to try and interpret what's happening and that's I think that's where some of the frustration comes in in the movie um it's just like it seems like a bunch of stuff happening for really no good reason because the actual storyline isn't interesting enough to maintain the runtime of the film. Right. By the way, just to cut away for a second, while Doug was explaining the plot of this movie, I just want to point out that Brian randomly posted a picture from that vamp, <laughs> the Christopher Lee movie that is three hot naked chicks basically worshiping his drag dong. <laughs> yes, it's going on the list. <laughs> yes. because, because yeah naked naked women should be worshiping at the feet of christopher lee i think we can all agree on that it's not his feet they're worshiping they're, worshiping. they're putting their hands up in the air they're worshiping directly into his crotch look at the eye line of those guys girls. guys guys listeners at home don't want to hear us talk about a picture that they can't see <laughs> Perhaps we should drift away from that. And have that Let's explain later. it in detail. This is audio format. <laughs> oh Jesus! But yeah, so I... like like I said, I don't know. I I I found the the story of like these relationships and the manipulation and stuff interesting. It's once again, it's not my type of film, and I could kind of I can kind of understand maybe why people hold the opinion of it that they do for the fact that this is a 1970s film that features a great deal of female nudity. I don't, it's not particularly leering. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of a feminist movie in weird ways. How is it a feminist movie? I agree with your not leering stance i think it's I, t- I interpreted that as it's just european and there's just a lot more nudity in europe than there is in north america so <laughs> i, I um, well because i feel like everyone is on kind of equal footing if if that makes sense everybody's portrayed poorly and in a position of power equally not not necessarily every character, but gender wise. Yeah, I can see that. Like there is, like there's similar. There is definitely there is there is an interesting through line if you can draw a direct comparison between her abusive husband and her being wooed by this other woman who is who is just as is evil and manipulative, just in a different. <laughs> Way. Yeah, I, I guess I can see that point. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call that feminist per se. Well, it's it's feminist. It's feminist in the fact that it's not chauvinistic, and that's yeah. that's I'll feminism for the seventies. If that makes sense, that's there's <laughs> a lower bar back then, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. No, I see. I see what you're saying there. I uh, my I think my biggest thing we're having this discussion, and all I'm thinking is like. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're going to do again, if you're going to do this movie with all these deep tonal meanings and all this, like a, I need to understand it better. I already made that point, but B it's like the tone and the atmosphere of this movie didn't suit that. Um, 
you had like that bellhop who legitimately started to feel like that you know cartoon bellhop that jerry or jerry lewis type bellhop i don't even know what movie that's from but i know that <laughs> i know the iconic vision of jerry lewis as a bellhop that's what this guy felt like to me he was sort of like comically running around trying to keep up with everybody and stuff the and i'm just like i guess i don't know is that the name of the movie I don't know. I already said I don't know. <laughs> but it's like the point being like he he didn't feel like a serious character. Like if you want to have again this if you want to make a movie with these dark serious tones to them or dark serious messaging and all this you you need the tone to suit that. It needs to be a very serious, very straightforward movie. This was brightly colored like a Hammer film and it was it had way too much attempts at comic relief in it and it didn't it didn't have the weight necessary to warrant the level of discussion that would be needed to get to the points that Noah's bringing up. Yeah, I was going to say, so not not all of this film is like this, but there are a lot of scenes in the movie that are like the director's got a good eye, like they're just well constructed color palettes and shots and when the guy's in the bathroom shaving and the the bathroom's kind of got this black marble with white accents and he's wearing that blood red bathrobe and stuff. I don't know. It's just really well thought out. It's not Argento level or anything like that, but it's, I don't know, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah you might not be wrong. And I just, I just don't know. I don't appreciate that in filmmaking as much. Um, it's just not my thing that I look for. So you might be, you might be correct in saying that. Like, I'm sure that, like, there are definitely some shots where they're alone in that. There's, like, the cafe at the hotel, and they're, like, alone and eating in it. And they kind of do distance shots where you're, they're sort of centered at the back of the room and all this. And I feel like somebody put a lot of time and effort into those shots. Right, just, right. In the room full, in a room full of empty tables with the sterile white tablecloths. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once, once again, it's, it's, I don't know. It's but to well me, it's like, out. like, like to me, the purpose of doing that would be to create a sense of isolation in this hotel. Like when things start to go bad, none of them will have anywhere to go. That sort of thing. Um, but that's not what they're doing because, on a plot perspective, like when the woman decides to leave, she just packs her bag and like walks down to the train station it's like it's right you know what i mean and it's like so it doesn't work it doesn't serve a purpose when it comes to all that stuff it's just there to look good and that's been my complaint with a lot of european movies we've done from the 70s and the early 80s like you know you go back and even the argento movies we've talked about i'm like yeah they look great but they're not concentrating on the storytelling enough they're not concentrating on the character development enough and therefore i lose interest in the appearance of the film Right. I don't know. I just, like I said, I, I dig it. I dig some of the metaphors and stuff. I just wish the movie was a little more, a, a little more of everything. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like, if, I think if that were, makes sense. Like, like the, think, the, the table shot that you were just talking about that with the, the empty restaurant with the white cloths and stuff. I like the idea that it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it, it's, the isolation and purity of their new marriage, if that makes sense, encapsulated into a thing. But then you have the evil influence coming in and viewing them through the windows. It's, I don't know, I, it's, 
like I said, it's good. It's it's good filmmaking. It just didn't result in the best movie. <laughs> well, see, see I, like I don't agree. It's good filming. It's good shooting. It's good cinematography. There might be some good symbolism. But at the end of the day, if that's what you've got going, that that's the difference between a good movie and pretentious art house crap. Is if you're telling a good story with good characters and you're using those filmmaking techniques to help accentuate that, then it's good filmmaking. But when you're using those good those fancy techniques, like you say, like what you just said there about the evil influence coming in and peering at them through the window and they're in this pure environment, it, it's totally correct. It's just, it's not advancing the storytelling in any way in the movie. It's only done because somebody probably was sitting around thinking, wouldn't it be neat if we put this metaphor in a movie? Well, well, but once again, I would, I would argue that, 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 but that is the plot. The, the entire plot is the, the corruption of their relationship and their marriage. It's the, the vampires are irrelevant. But what, I, but what I'm saying is I, when I watched this movie, I have no idea when there's that beating scene that happens, which again, very brutal. It, it has to, it becomes a focal point of the film because of its brutality. And you're like, I don't know if that guy was always a wife beater or if that guy is being corrupted by a vampire. Like I'm trying to put into the movie myself. I think Brian said, said in, our, in a text to the rest, like I'm watching this movie, like that beating came out of nowhere. And I'm like, well, I think the, vampire has corrupted him in some way but I don't know that because I'm, I'm adding that to the movie myself because I don't they're not telling the story well enough I, to be fair I was I was like looking at my phone so I don't know if I missed like something but I feel like it goes from them like hanging out with uh, the the uh, the I don't know what, what the hell is her title countess countess they're hanging out with her and then all of a sudden they go up to the bedroom and he's like well belt time takes the belt off and just starts whipping her and i'm just like what the fuck where did this come from because there is that scene a little earlier on where they're talking about it and the countess starts talking about all these like horrible murders and he gets really interested and eventually the wife kind of storms off and as she storms off the countess is like pretty much sitting in his lap still talk they're like finishing each other's sentences talking about these horrible right well and so like i took that as maybe she was drawing him to the dark side kind of thing and but then i even then it like it unless that's i guess that would be the purpose of her doing that would be to help him have him inadvertently help the wife become the new familiar is that what was going again like i should know what was yeah going she's on by the end of the she's movie. kind of manipulating but but at the same time so he's and once again it's so subtle and it's not explained well that he is uh, definitely a sadist like like in and by sadist i mean that in the purest sexual terms he he is aroused by the harming of another person. And they even talk about the, when the vampire's talking to the chick, because she talks about, do you consent to the terrible things he does to you? And uh, you know what I mean? They're like, they're basically, they're having a, a discussion about weird S&M sex in a weird, subtle yeah. French people smoking cigarettes way. Well, and that's all there. That's there in that scene where they go to the other town and they stumble across one of the murders and he is very, very excited to see it. And the wife is clearly offended by that. And he's just saying he's trying to pass it off as, oh, I'm just watching like everybody else is. And she's like, no, there was something different about the way you were looking at that, you know. Right. 
Right. There's the whole thing. He he enjoys the control and the violence. Which yes, I yeah. think that's in. I think that's in the movie. But like again, you're, now you're you're also getting into my head that this guy was also being controlled in his other relationship. So was he in the process of trying to transfer to become the abuser? Like that was like was this? Yeah. No. No. I think I think it's an endless it's an endless cycle of abuse in the in the movie. The, the kind of the. The thing I took away from it is there's really, aside from the maybe the familiar character, there's there's no one in this movie that has pure intentions in their own relationships. Oh, the like, boy oh, wants to get them their wine and shit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm talking about the actual... You know, you know what I'm talking about—the interconnectivity. No, I, 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 like I'm they're, seeing, I'm seeing what you're saying, which is yeah, the like other person for their own in, like there's no love. They they use the word love constantly through this movie, but it's pretty obvious that none of these people love yeah. each other. And 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 the end, we sort of see the woman who's been the victim of the abuse throughout the movie is going to become the abuser, and that like the ongoing story and the guy who's being abusive was the victim of abuse in the story that happened before this one. And I, I see what you're saying there. I'm just saying it didn't come across clearly in the movie. And again, the difference yeah. between good, good filmmaking and pretentious crap is oftentimes how hard do I have to work to get to your messaging? Because if, uh, we shouldn't need this long of a discussion for me to understand the movie. Right. I don't, I don't find this one particularly pretentious because I don't feel like at any point, the movie's navel gazing. I feel like I they're trying to—they're trying to tell a story, and maybe they're doing it in a in a shitty art housey kind of way. But I don't—it doesn't feel masturbatory. Well, like the well, director's well, like, "Oh, I'm so good at filmmaking." I, I see. I disagree, and I think that's why we're maybe have a difference of opinion on the movie because you said they're trying to tell a story, but but there's no navel gazing. Well, I don't think they are telling a story. I think all this movie has is what's come out in this discussion. The, the actual story is 15 minutes of people sitting around in a hotel. Like a, as a short film, this might work better, but for an hour and 45 minutes or whatever it was of watching these people meander around this hotel, there isn't a story really being told. It's all this metaphor and these fancy art house shots. That's all that's in it. Mm-hmm. Like there is like that police officer who's like, bouncing around from time to time and you're like why is he even there what purpose does he serve other than like to get run off the road later when he's riding his bike like, yeah i thought that that i think that's the weirdest fucking thing in the whole movie i was like what it what purpose did any of that serve i i don't know cuz cuz i was down i was kind of down with this random looming uh van helsing retired detective character in the background who maybe is going to show up at the end and uh that's tip, what i was assuming the scales or something yeah. but instead it's just he gets run off the road like i, I kind of assumed Gently. we were heading for uh, i thought i assumed we were heading for some sort of happy ending in this movie that's just my bias coming into the movie and i assumed somewhere along the line this couple would kind of move past the problems they were having throughout the movie and be a happy couple again because they defeated the vampire together and he would be a part of that final kind of confrontation 
maybe have to die <laughs> in the process or whatever. But he just shows up. Say, just I'm hoping it. you abandoned the thought of a happy ending the second that belt came out. No, no, I didn't. I just assumed it was. <laughs> I honestly, my head was like, 70s were fucked, man. He's going to beat her like that. And then there's still going to be a happy couple at the end. And I don't know how I'm going to get my head around that. <laughs> but once, once again, so it wasn't the the makeup. So after the beating scene, the the next scene is them lying in the bed, sort of in that stereotypical movie pseudo sexy way where the sheets are just barely covering their junk, essentially. Yeah. And post coital kind of thing. Yeah. And the the makeup on her is it's subtle, but it's there of the bruising. Yeah. Her being beat with this belt. And for some reason, the the subtleness of it as opposed to, you know, now nowadays those would be like bright red raised welts and shit they would put all over. But I don't know. So something about just the, the shadows of the bruises is like, Ugh, I hate it. It's yeah. awful. It makes you feel sick. Yeah, I'm with you. I was, uh, I was almost the other way with it where I felt. And again, this is my interpretation of the movie, but I, I kind of thought like you show a beating like that to not have much bigger bruising and to not show worse scarring is almost downplaying the severity of the beating. And it's like, you can't have a guy beat his wife like that on screen and then not have there be major consequences. And so I sort of felt like it was cheapening out. Again, some of that is my bias of like films from this era and basically all eras leading up to it are that, uh, you know, Violence against women is way too accepted and just kind of brushed off, like you know. Um, but uh, to me, to me, if you're going to show a husband do that to his wife, then when she wakes up in the morning, the long-term impact of that should be very visible. Yeah. Okay. So there had to be one moment that I know both of you had to like. At the end, when the sun comes up and the car wrecks. And she goes flying through the fucking windshield and just gets randomly impaled on yeah. a fucking tree spike. <laughs> just once again, that comes so fucking so the, the vampirism in this movie is so low key, and and the only act of like blood drinking we ever see is where this weird scene where a punch bowl breaks in half and somehow slices both of a guy's wrists. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a bit terrible. Uh, yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's a bit yeah. terrible. It's a bit. It's a bit terrible. It's, yeah. So, that's, that's, so that scene, that scene is bad. Everything about that scene is bad. I was like, is she trying to smother him with this bowl? That's, that's what like, I that would even like, that would even work. It's almost yeah. like they were trying to cut his head off with a bowl. Yes. <laughs> I I don't know, but but so ignoring ignoring that. Back to the cool part where she gets impaled on the tree. That comes so fucking out of left field. I, no, I was out of nowhere. I, I was like, whenever she keeps going faster, 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 all that kind of stuff, I was like, this movie is seriously going to end with the vampires just getting into a car wreck and just dying in the sunlight. <laughs> and and that is close to what happened. But I was not I was not expecting like <laughs> smash into a tree going 80 in the fucking vampire to go head first through a windshield into a spike. So, so I have two things about this. Number one is like, like so I had already said I was waiting for the happy ending where they defeated the vampire and the the cop played his hero role and died. Like I thought I had it all figured out because I've seen so many movies. 
it becomes really clear by the time they're on like that beach scene and they're like burying the husband alive. I'm like, well, that's not happening, right? So now they're leaving, and now I'm prepared for the nihilistic '70s ending where, oh shit, like our lead character is just becoming the new familiar, and this vampire is just moving on to do this to the next town kind of thing, right? To fuck up the next group of people's lives. And I'm like, okay, I can live with like that dark ending. And then all of a sudden, just this car accident happens, and I'm like, nope, I was never prepared for that at all. Like, what the fuck just happened? How is a car accident how you end your vampire movie? And then the second thing is just that visual. When that car is on fire, and she's hanging off that tree, that, that thing's sticking through her chest, it did look great. I can't deny that. That's another one of those shots that is just... Somebody put a lot of time and effort into building that shot, and it looked fucking fantastic, so... Credit credit for what they did visually, but again, storyline wise, just what are you doing? How is that the ending to your movie? <laughs> I don't know. I fucking I I was like, oh yeah, seventies ending. I was like, but at the same time, damn it, that's really cool. It, 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 did you ever like ever do this when you were a kid? Like you'd be writing like a creative writing class, and you're like you're twelve or whatever, and you have to get to a thousand words and then you just kind of come up with something to end it because you realize you've hit the minimum that your teacher is making you write. <laughs> That's what this ending felt like. It's just like, oh, we have to make this movie an hour and 45 minutes. What are we at? An hour 44 and a half? All right, car accident, go. They get into a car accident, she dies. The end. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? <laughs> so, and then the big question, so the ending ending where we see the girl on the beach and, and it's pretty obvious that she's the new vampire, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But when she speaks, it's the countess's voice, not that actress's voice. Is it? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah, I didn't very very much. Yeah, it's very it's very much voiced over by the countess. And and I guess if you guys didn't pick up on it, you can't answer this question. I was trying to figure out, is it supposed to be like somehow that the countess like took this girl's body? I don't I don't fucking get. I I took it as a Sith thing. I think that there can be only one master and like one apprentice. And she was the new apprentice with the master dead from the car accident like she essentially killed Plagueis the Countess and now she's the Sith Lord and she's looking for her new assistant that's how I thought I don't know if that's right because again not very good filmmaking okay I just didn't know if the ending was supposed to be ambiguous as to whether or not that happened or if she's a free agent now you know has she found her own power or whatever now that the, the two people over her are gone I mean, technically, yes, but like, I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier, she's now found her own strength and she's her own person, but she's going to be the same kind of asshole they were. Right, right. right. She's she's immediately going to use that power over someone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, I think that's how you're supposed to interpret that. Okay. Uh, So for me, the best part of this movie didn't even happen on screen. So apparently while they were making it, the director and the actress, like the the wife, got into an argument and he smacked her because it's the 70s and apparently you just do stuff like, like that. 
Um, and apparently the guy playing her husband was so upset, he just hauled off and punched the director right in the face. Nice. And all this was towards the beginning of the movie, so they all still had to work together afterwards. Well, I kind of like that actor more now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, fuck you, bitch, right in the face. But yeah, I don't know. I, as far as, like, could I recommend this to somebody? I don't... Yeah. I just don't know who the fuck I'd recommend it to. Like, honestly, after this discussion, my feeling is... Yeah, I recommend this to people who want to sit around and talk about a movie for an hour after. Do I recommend it to anybody who wants to enjoy watching a movie? No. That's 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 where I'm at. Like, <laughs> you're not going to enjoy the movie, but apparently it can be interesting fodder for discussion because look what we just did. And we're not very good at talking about movies. So somebody intelligent could probably have a great conversation. Mm. Like, watch this with your film class if you're in a film class. Right. Or like yeah. maybe maybe watch it if you're looking for a, a vampire movie that's to- significantly tonally different from most vampire movies or I don't know, something like that. But but once again, I'm hesitant to call this a vampire movie because the vampirism has no bearing on the meat of the context of what's going on. I just I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this one. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, it's uh, weird. It's weird because when I logged it on my letterbox, like a lot of my friends logged it, they like, gave it like four stars and stuff. Like they loved it. People love this movie. It's why everybody. Yeah. It's one of the reasons we covered it is because it's one of those movies that like a lot of people like that we'd never seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It shows. It shows up on on lists of good vampire movies, and especially on lists of like female driven vampire movies yeah a lot of the time but i don't i don't know once again i don't know who to because i like i said i don't particularly see this as an anti-woman vampire movie and that's actually kind of a rarity even even in modern vampire movies it's it's kind of the nature of that monster mm-hmm. I, you know, if that makes sense, vampires yeah. are are inherently a a creature that is a metaphor for like sexual hostility. Mm-hmm. And generally, that that equates to male on female violence. But I don't necessarily think it's represented that way in this film. No, again, like if you if if your really low bar for feminism is it's not masochistic then this film meets that right right Um, and and that there is i mean to some extent it's interesting that a movie from this era isn't as masochistic as some others right like it's that's worth noting but that's not enough for me to recommend the movie to people right yeah i don't know i mean tracy tracy liked it i I don't know how many other female. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I don't know how many other female uh, film buffs we have that listen to this show. I'm guessing. Yeah, very private. Yeah, I'm know. guessing I already just read the entire list. So, <laughs> but but if we do, I would be really really interested to hear other female film buffs' opinion. Of this film, yeah, I, I, I want to. I, I, I would 
yeah, that is a that is a point of view I would find more interesting than my own. <laughs> like, I, I would take that a step further and say, even if you're non-female and you, you you have strong opinions about this movie, I'd love to hear what do people like about this movie. Why do so many people recommend it so highly? Because it, I, I I just don't necessarily get it. Yeah, Laura. Email us and let us know. She's the only other female I know that posts on the Oh, yeah. We got two. We do. But, you know, I don't count that for anything. We're uh, diverse as fuck, yo. Because we actually actually have more members in the group than we get downloads each week. So I know you all not listen. Uh What is that thing? Although I suppose there, it's still a thing where if they listen to it through other things, it doesn't record it through the metrics. And I don't trust it. Another uh, podcast I was listening to, they were joking about the fact that nothing confuses them more than when they find their free podcast on a torrent site. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, oh, why are you doing this? Who is the person risking viruses and going through these shady underworld methods to get our podcast that is available for free on every platform? They're not going to right click and then put the save as button on the website. They've got to be. That's too much to ask. I don't know. If I would actually, I would, if anybody sees our podcast on a torrent site, please let us know. And if you're downloading it illegally, feel free to keep doing it, but also let us know and explain to us why, because I would love to know that people are stealing this. (laughs) That'd be my favorite thing to learn ever. Not letting them get any of those download numbers. Fuck them. I mean, it's like eating at a restaurant. And as you're walking out, you see that bowl full of mints and you take three mints and you walk out and you're like, yeah, badass. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, all right, did anybody watch anything? No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm trying to think if that's not entirely true, but I think that 100% is true. Yeah, yeah, I didn't uh, watch a goddamn thing. Well, what did you watch, Doug? Uh, not a lot. I got a couple of things I can talk about, though. Um, no, my biggest problem is, you know how I always tell you I have one TV show that I put on in the background? Mm-hmm. I I made the mistake of starting restarting a watch of The League, and now mm-hmm. that's... I'm inside me! It's the show is just too fucking good. I can't use it as background, so now I'm just watching it all the time. And it's like, all right, that's that's eating up a lot of my time. It shouldn't be. I'm like trying to motivate myself to do anything else, and I'm bad at it. But I did watch a couple of movies. Um, uh, I have a hard time thinking of another TV show that makes me laugh as hard as that one. If if tough. you would have told me at any point in my life before watching that show that there would be a show about fantasy fucking football 
that would be one of my favorite things of all time, I would think you were out of your mind. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not about that. Like, it is, but it's just these friends just shit-talking each other constantly, which I think you can see why we would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, and then it's just, like, the wacky side characters, like, like, Raffi is obviously the one that anybody who's seen the show can think of. But, like, even Taco is always on these weird little adventures, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, most of the world is set real world, and they just have just that enough where that one character exists like in a separate universe just outside of the real world <laughs> and you can kind of swerve in and out as necessary so the episode where taco quit smoking pot and you find out that he just instantly becomes this brilliant super successful business person just like <laughs> the, the second he stops smoking pot he becomes this genius and all of his friends decide that he's nowhere near as fun and that he's a little bit of an asshole whenever he's not smoking. So they get him to start smoking pot again and basically destroy his life to turn him back into an idiot. Yeah, but counterpoint, the episode where it's revealed that he has guest bongs hidden in everybody's house, where he has taken their household items that he doesn't think they use very often and converted them to bongs. So that whenever <laughs> he's anywhere, he can just smoke up. <laughs> that's awesome <sighs> I've never watched an episode of the show yeah. oh Jesus Brian I, I I can't recommend it highly enough I think you and Amanda should both watch it because it's fucking funny that'd be your new job you should start watching it <laughs> okay we're building a bridge <laughs> shit I'm not going to bed um you guys want to hear about some movies I watched that are a little more relevant to what we're supposed to talk yes, about? Yes, sure. Uh, so let's see. I finally got around. You guys have been waiting to hear my thoughts on this, I'm sure, to Critters Attacks. Came out about two years ago. The TV series? No, the movie. They did another movie after that weird series they put out. I th- think I saw it. Uh, D. Wallace, D. Wallace comes back? Yeah, technically largely irrelevant they clearly only had it for a couple days <laughs> so you guys have you guys seen the movie or you don't remember I'm 90 I'm 90% sure I did but I don't remember anything about it eh. I mean there's I, not uh, much... it's on my like wish list of like digital stuff but I'm too scared to buy it for you know anything over like five dollars so yeah it showed up on netflix here that's how i got around to it so <laughs> i'm like i use netflix very little at debating canceling it so i was looking through it is there anything on here i really need to make sure i watch before i think about canceling this I'm like, oh critters attack i gotta watch that <laughs> i can't now, miss out on that now the question is <laughs> was it worth watching it before you cancel netflix or should you have just canceled without watching it so here's the thing, okay, so it's I, mean, I don't need to give you a plot description it's a Critters movie uh, the people who made it very obviously wanted to make a Gremlins movie so the Critters are way too big and they kind of act like Gremlins mm. and there is a good guy cr- uh, Critter that looks a little different from all the other ones and the Ugh. human characters literally put it in a backpack and carry it around so Yep. You got to so get I your head around see this, and I never will. Okay. <laughs> now, all that having been said, 
as a guy who used to love to go to the video store on Friday night and walk around and pick up those direct-to-VHS sequels to every horror movie that came out between 1980 and 1990, this felt very much like a throwback to one of those. It felt like a shitty direct-to-VHS sequel to Critters. And that's super fun to, to me. To me, not I'm not recommending this movie to anybody else. <laughs> Let's make that abundantly clear. But it, it existed on exactly that level where it was just like, here's a new group of characters and the critters are back. And oh, look, that one character from the previous movie is going to show up at the end and shoot some of the critters with the big gun from the previous movie. But that's it. There's no other connection. There's no need to really know what these are. There's like a a guy like the, one of the characters is a delivery person for a sushi place and so we keep going back to the sushi place and we keep having the chef like waving the knives around and talking about how he's got the sharpest blades in all of town it's like he's gonna chop up some critters with those blades i know it's coming i know it's coming and there it is he just chopped up a critter with those blades good for him i, was, <laughs> I liked watching that um so yeah i had fun watching it it's not a good movie but, you know, are, are really are any of the Critters movies past the first one really good movies in that sense of the word? Or are they fun to watch? Second one's good. Yeah, I guess. I guess it is. You do get a return to the Critters ball at one point in this movie. Yeah. But it's clearly just fan service. It doesn't really matter. It's just edited in for fan service. <laughs> but that's fine, because, like, again, back when you had to go to the store and rent a movie on VHS and bring it home and hope it the last guy rewound it you know so you didn't have to do that first those fan service moments really mattered in those movies because you hadn't seen a critters movie since the last time you rented one kind of thing and so again on on that very basic level i enjoyed watching it it's not a good movie <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else there is to say about it that's about what i figured it's just yeah. so disappointing but, but, I mean, at the end of the day, what if they made, like, a really good quality film out of a Critters movie? Would that be fun? Uh, yeah, if you sure. just had a good, good quality film. Like, that just, that just explains everything. I don't, I don't know. I don't want, like, I don't want these weird themes about abusive relationships edited into my Critters movie. Let's just do stupid direct-to-VHS sequels to a stupid direct-to-VHS quality series, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just think there's a way to do both. I mean, I mean, yes. If you had a budget and you had, could hire better writers and, you know, get some of the original people back so that there's somebody there who cares about making sure the puppets look the same as the old puppets. And yes, there's stuff that can be done. But the likelihood of that happening is virtually nil. We're either going to get this or we're going to get a reboot that just you know i don't i I didn't want to know what a critters reboot would look like at this point it it frightens me so stop trying to take away my fun brian (laughs) (laughs) so basically the only other thing i watched only other movie i watched was uh i wanted to watch the remake of wrong turn that came out this year uh, but I'm not. I don't pay to see movies that often, so I just watch the original instead. Nope. Um, which I, I hadn't watched you, in a while. I could. T- I could tell you what the. En- I haven't watched it, but I could tell you what the ending is, and it's really stupid. If you really want to know. No, it's all right. Okay. Fair I'll enough. Wait, 
I'll wait for it to pop up for free somewhere and I'll ruin my own good time. <laughs> but I gotta say, like having not watched the original in a while and then rewatching it, it's a really fucking good movie. It's basically just a slasher movie updated for the 2003 era where, you know, it's gotta have a little bit more of a torture porny vibe to it, but it never crosses into that territory. You know, um, it does have this, that one famous scene where they're all like trapped in the cottage and their friend is being chopped up and they all have to watch it happen. But they don't really show too much of it to camera, like compared to what you would expect to see from a, a saw or a hostile kind of that would have been popular at the time. And it's yeah, it's it's just a, it's a, a classic like group of people in the woods being chased by killers for no good reason, really. And eventually they have to blow the killers up and it's super fun. And it's, you know, just let's just get some like young, like, good looking people and we'll have them chased around for a while. Mm. Yeah. And it's even it's even like when the like when the group breaks off, because there's like like if people haven't seen the movie five minutes in, there's a car accident. Two people stay with the car. They get killed. The other four people go off looking for help. They're the ones getting chased for the rest of the movie. And it's literally like the, the two girls that are in the group that walk away are like Eliza Dushku and Emmanuel Turkey, which I'm probably mispronouncing. But it's like, it's so, you're not even like, one, I wonder which one of these two will be the survivor girl. Faith from Buffy or the girl that played one of the guys' uh, girlfriends on Entourage? Which one will it be that's the survivor girl <laughs> at the end of this? It's like, it's it's so obvious what's going to happen. And it's like, that's that's fine. We need one girl that's going to be the, the tough girl and one girl that's going to be the, the crier who fucking just screams and yells and can't move on and her friends have to always remind her to keep going. You know, like, because that's what you have in slasher movies. So <laughs> they just do it. And then when it's time for her to die, I don't know if you guys remember how that character is killed or not, but uh, she's on, high up in a tree and they put an axe through her head. And then as the camera pulls back, the top part of her head is still stuck to the tree and her body is falling down from the top of the tree. <laughs> and it's fantastic. And I like yeah. watching it. So. Did you ever watch part two? Yeah, I've seen all of the sequels once each. And I enjoyed them all as one-time watches. Uh, I remember part two being pretty good. I've never seen anything past yeah. that, though. Yeah, part two is the one that has the better reputation. I yeah. I feel like the, the series, to some extent, kind of found itself later on when it was just these more ridiculous standalone movies that mm-hmm. clearly just cashing in on the name. Yeah, I mean, uh, the part two is Joe Lynch's first movie. And when I talked to him about it, like, oh, God, the movie hadn't even come out yet. But he was I met him at a convention. I was sitting talking to him at the bar. And basically, they wanted to just yeah do like a standalone movie, and he's like, "Well, that's stupid. You you can totally connect this one and the first one." And they're like, "Nah." And he's like, "Okay, well, in the first one, there's a creepy guy at the gas station, right?" And they're like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Well, this one has a creepy guy at the gas station. I'm just gonna cast the exact same guy, so you might as well just make it connected." <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, okay." And it was literally like just two or three things that connects us to the first movie. Just basically saying, hey, these are the same cannibal inbred people. And that's yeah. literally the only connections it had. But they like, seemed like they were fighting him on it. And he had to understand why. He's just like, this is stupid. But it, then he he said he wanted to make an 80s splatter film, which if you watch that movie, that's totally what it is. Yeah, it is. It is. And, it's, and that's, you know, 
that's what we need. Sometimes you just need shit like that, man. Yeah. Um, totally. So. I, plus, plus Henry Rollins. So he's good. At yeah. It. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. If, if those are easily <laughs> available to me, I'm not making any promises. But if I can like push less than three buttons and watch Wrong Turn two, maybe I'll be able to talk about it next week. Okay. If it involves five yeah. or six buttons or having to pay for anything, probably not. But <laughs> I'm gonna come back from vacation, and you're gonna be like, "Yeah, I watched I watched all six of the Rock Turn movies while you were gone." It's plausible. <laughs> it's also plausible I will have watched no more of them and forget that we had this conversation. There's also that. Uh, did you watch anything else? No, that's it. I do. I don't know if we're gonna talk about Invincible or not because we established during the break <laughs> that Noah hasn't seen it, so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we don't have to like super spoiler. Did you ever read the comics, Noah? Uh, I read like the first two trades. Oh, then yeah, this this is totally covered in the first two trades. Then, okay. so you you know what's gonna happen. It's nothing super crazy, but at least I think it is covered in the first two trades. I don't know. Um, well, let me talk about. Uh, I had a friend over the other day and he wanted to watch a movie. So I was going through stuff and he's like, Oh, Willie's Wonderland. I wanted to watch that. And I'm like, I haven't watched it yet. So let's watch that. Uh, so this is essentially Nicolas Cage locked in a, uh, Chuck E. Cheese overnight. And of course, everything starts coming to life to kill him. Of course it does. And I mean, you know, do you really need an explanation past that? I don't think you do. So it's Five Nights at Freddy's the movie. Sort of, yeah. But with Nicolas Cage as a weird stranger that we know nothing about. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one crazy thing you won't believe about this movie, but it's absolutely true. Uh, Nicolas Cage goes full cage without uttering a single word throughout the entire movie. What? <laughs> he does not talk to the entire movie. It's it's. Pretty fantastic. Uh, so yeah, he's just this weird guy whose car car breaks down and the cops show up, or not the not the cops. Like some some guy comes along and he's like, "Oh, somebody put out some spike strips, huh? Well, let me let me help you tow you back into town." Gets back into town. Woof, those are pretty expensive tires. We're not gonna have those in for a couple days. I bet you don't have any money to pay for it, do you? Well, turns out I also own this closed down. Close down uh, Will- Willie's Wonderland place. I had to close it because, you know, all the animatronics started attacking children. But thinking about reopening it, so if you stay all night and clean it, I'll cover all the costs to your car myself. So, of course, he goes to do it and just starts having to whoop some animatronic creature's ass throughout the entire night. And that's your movie. Uh, I mean, it sounds delightful it's pretty delightful I'm not going to say it's like a masterpiece that will change your life or nothing but I mean literally just looking at Nick Cage just being mad and then there's shit that shit that he does in the movie that you're like okay what is what is what is this weird quirk thing that he's got going on huh but it's going to lead to something nope doesn't lead to nothing that's just that's just stuff that he does Okay, I'm sure that yeah, was. A, I'm sure that told was. A, us it was Nick Cage, so we understood yeah. that that would be happening. I'm sure that's a Nicholas Cage thing. Just shrug your shoulders and go, okay, and then move on. 
So, so yeah, it's a delightful. Uh, if you have a couple people over, if that's still a thing you do after being vaccinated, hopefully, um, yeah, have a couple beers, watch Willy's Wonderland. Twenty twenty six. I'll be pretty enjoyable. That, so. Oh yeah, you're back. You're back into another lockdown, aren't you? Yeah, we're still in. I'm on waiting lists for vaccines, but yeah, damn, just can't seem to get it. Mm. I think I'm. I think I live in an area that is uh, doing a little too well at keeping our numbers down. Nah. So they're just not sending us vaccines. They're like, we need those. We got areas where everybody's <laughs> sick. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good time. Just you know, have fun while you watch it. Try not to take it too serious. If anybody, if anybody heard that idea and was like, oh, "I'm going to take that serious," then you're you're watching movies wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only other thing I can talk about is A and E's been having these two hour uh, wrestler biographies. Um, I've I've been curious about these. They're pretty good. I mean, there's nothing that's going to blow your mind that you don't already know. Uh, there, there was because they've had the Stone Cold one, the Roddy Roddy Piper one, and right before we started, I watched the the Macho Man Randy Savage one. Yeah, I pretty much knew everything in the Macho Man one, so it didn't teach me anything new. But they do get some people that I haven't seen sort of talk about Randy Savage in these. So just kind of hear interesting to hear other people's perspectives on his character and his work and stuff, and then. You know, crazy stuff that happened in his personal life. Um, it is kind of annoying to have Hulk Hogan all over it, though, who gets to talk about a bunch of shit that, you know, supposedly went down between them, but you don't get the other side of it because I don't usually believe anything that comes out of Hulk Hogan's mouth anyway. So, what? Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's the, those are really good. The Steve Austin one, what I the one thing I learned that I didn't know is he the night before his last match, he had to go to the hospital with uh, a heart problem. I've heard that, yeah. I had no idea, and they're like sitting there talking about it and stuff, and yeah, basically he just had dehydrated himself because he was just pushing himself too much, and you know, drank a lot of coffee to wake up, drank, drank a lot of uh, energy drinks throughout the day. And then, you know, didn't drink anything but all that stuff. And it just basically fucked his system up. So they almost weren't going to let him out of the hospital, but he ended up getting out just in time to go to the arena and have his last match. That's behind, behind the scenes of fucking wrestling is just always interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, my wife's not really into wrestling. Like She doesn't want to watch wrestling with me. But she does find some of the behind-the-scenes stuff interesting, and she's actually been really enjoying them. So, the, uh, the Roddy one's kind of interesting if you don't know a whole lot about his past or whatever. It just, yeah, I mean, it's Roddy Piper. Who wouldn't want to know more about him? Just interesting. Such a character. <laughs> it's just interesting uh, if you, because uh, I mean I don't I guess I don't really know much about him before he went to WWE, and so they talk a lot about how he started his career and how he kind of came up and stuff. So all that stuff was really interesting. Um, it's funny because I did interview him once, and 
it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life because <laughs> we walked up to his table and asked him, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, there's people in line behind us. We're like, you know, you're obviously busy right now, but could we come back and like record an interview with you and stuff? And he's like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll set it up. Yeah, just come back, come back sometime when it looks like it's, you know, winding down. I'm like, all right, no problem. So we come back and his son was the one like handling the money and stuff at his table. And so I was like, hey, he told us to come back. I noticed it was like, you know, he's talking to somebody right now, but there's nobody else in line to know if this might be a good time. He's like, all right, I'll talk to him. And I was like, cool, we'll just go stand over here and stay out of your way. And then uh, I see the, the guy he's talking to leave. His son, I see he talks to him. They kind of both shake their hands, heads look over in our direction. And then his son comes out from behind the table and comes over and he's like, uh, yeah, he said that's cool, but f- before you do anything, he wants to talk to you, and he points right at me, which makes me want to shit my pants. <laughs> because I knew that he started street fighting when he was like 14 to make money because he was yeah. homeless. So I'm like, this is one of those guys that he thinks you're going to fuck him over. He will fuck you up. He doesn't care where he is, if he's in the middle of a convention or what. So I was like, fuck. So I went over, and, you know, he's like, so uh, so what's this all about? What's this? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, we'll just do an interview. Just, you know, we, we do a movie podcast. We want to talk to you about some, some of the movies you're in. And, you know, for fans, completely free. We're not making any money off of it or anything. He's like, all right, all right. And he just looks at me and he's like, you know, because sometimes people just try to take advantage of me. And I don't I don't know. It's, oh, no, sir, we wouldn't we wouldn't do anything like that. And he's like, uh, cause I'd find you if you did. And I'm like, I, I guarantee you probably would, sir. (laughs) And so then he looked at me and he's like, so do I have your hand on that? And then stuck his hand out. And I'm just like, fuck. (laughs) Like, this is one of those guys that's like a handshake. It's like a deal. Like if you fuck that up, he will come and knife you because that's just, that's just the area he's from. So even though I knew we had no, like ulterior motive i was still scared shitless to sit down and talk to him but then i sat down and had an interview with him and stuff and he was like super cool and we talked for like 10 minutes and super nice and basically answered anything i asked him so he was he was super awesome but i was terrified and amanda Amanda was watching this documentary and seeing all this shit about how he was homeless and had to like you know, essentially street fight for money. And she's like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah, that's why I was terrified when I met him. Like, he's old enough and has money now. So he's like, he could just fuck me up if he wanted to. So his is really good. The Macho Man one's pretty good. And then uh, this week, Dark Side of the Ring starts up again. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to trying to find ways to watch that without having to actually subscribe for a, a service. Yeah. yeah. So, first episode is going to be on Brian Pillman, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah. So, I was sort of explaining, because they, they talk about it briefly, but they don't really cover a whole lot of it in the Stone Cold biography thing. So, I was telling Amanda some of the some of the stuff about Brian Pillman, and then yeah, he's going to be the first, first and second, I guess. It's a two-parter episode, so I'm excited. All right, well... Um, I guess we could talk about Invincible a little bit. Wow. <laughs> We're like desperate for content at this point. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I don't know. Do you, Noah, do you know why Omni-Man went crazy? Was that in the uh, 
the trades you read? Uh, I mean, in the in the comic books, doesn't it end up being that he was sent to Earth to basically prevent any other heroes from being able to protect the planet for whenever his species comes to invade? All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. You, it, yeah. yeah, you did catch up on the on the up to the what the show covered. Yeah, so yeah, we finally get the reveal of why Omni Man went seemed to go crazy. Turns out he was just fulfilling his mission he's always been here to do. Uh to make the planet easy for the taken when the Vitromites decide to uh head this way. And uh, uh, him and uh, Invincible have a knockdown drag out fight because Invincible's like, uh, no, I can't let that happen. And they get into is I don't I obviously haven't seen the episode. Is this the point in the story where he refers to uh, Invincible's mom as a pet? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. That's one yeah. Of the... I remember that. I remember that in the comic books and being like. Jesus fucking Christ. Yep. That's one of the, like the three rages. Because they like fight. Invincible's kind of tore up. He says something shitty. Invincible gets mad. They fight again. <laughs> then like the third time, he's like, yeah, I love your mom, but like as much as I would a pet. And he's just like, you fucker. Yeah. So yeah, they have a big old fight. Uh, Invincible gets fucked up. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty fucking dark. Like, mm-hmm. keeping in mind this is still a cartoon. Technically, you're just like when he's got him pinned down on that mountain and he's just punching his head into the ground, and there's that blood yeah. flying everywhere. Yeah, there's that is moment he... in the moment where he puts him through the train. <laughs> That's fucked up too. Does he explain the dominant genes? Um, just the hill age slower that in this part. Oh, no. The fact that so in the comic book, whenever he's talking about the mom, he basically explains that he could fuck anything. And the Viltramite DNA is so more potent than other species that Mm. pretty much anything he fucks will crank out a Viltramite. He does say that not in those words. Yeah. But he does say like something to the effect of like you're basically a Viltramite like there is no human in you kind of thing and he refers to the dominant genes I believe yeah because yeah. if I remember right in the later comic books he ends up fucking like a praying mantis alien or something weird like that <laughs> it, yeah the comic books just get fucking weirder as they go on they do yeah I uh, they were having a invincible sale on comicsology. And they pretty much had all the compendiums on sale for like 20 bucks a piece. There's like five of them. I was considering picking them up just so I could reread it all. Because I have a bunch of the trades, but kind of fell off at one point. So I know eventually, eventually there's like it's set in the future, right? Where I don't know. Where Mark now has a kid and his yeah. weird half mantis brother. Is <laughs> running around. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I never got, never got that far. Where we went into the future, but yeah. But it is like the comic is like finished. So I mean, at least like if this show keeps going, they have something they're building to. So well, apparently, there's a, a live action movie in development as well. There is that, which seems a little redundant, but 
what else? I don't like. I don't know if they're gonna be connected in any way. From what I've heard, now it's gonna be its own like okay. separate thing. So yeah, no, uh, I've been enjoying it. Um, sounds like you've been enjoying it, Doug. Yeah, I liked it or, a lot. I'm uh, looking forward to see where it goes because it looks like they're setting up like uh, for a much bigger war type thing in the next season. I'm yeah. curious to see how that plays out. A little nervous because of the fact that uh, I was enjoying all the human characters, and if I don't know how you keep up that that character development if we're now having a giant intergalactic war to deal with as well, kind of like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I got got picked up for at least two more seasons. So yeah, sounds like Amazon's pretty happy with it, which has me excited. That's I'm glad it got picked up for two more because that way it means next year they can concentrate on telling a story and not trying to like end it in a way not not knowing if they'd come back kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Well, uh, I'm going to be gone next week. So that puts Noah and Doug in charge. Uh, we may just not have a show, which is fine. We talked about that. <laughs> At this point, we're not sure. <laughs> Depends on how uh, productive the other two decide they want to be. Which... Don't say it like that. No, I'm, I'm, I was about to follow it up with, which uh, doesn't have to be at all, because I'm not going to be doing shit. I'm going to be on a beach, so. Um, I've got, you know, I've got a weekend trip to Vegas scheduled in uh, July. Yeah. And I'm going to the Pinball Hall of Fame, and I'm so excited. Is Vegas going to be open by then? Is it, has yeah. it already started opening up? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's been back open for a while. It's just limited it's, capacity it's, and everything. It's Vegas. Nobody cares. They're just all there <laughs> getting sick. I think casinos are actually legally allowed to do 80% capacity now or something. Crazy. Yeah. The, fu- the funny thing is, so I was looking at things to do because I was seeing if there was any sh- Because a lot of the, the big problem is a lot of the shows and stuff are shut down. Yeah. But I was looking for stuff to do, and I was... If I've totally forgot about the Pinball Hall of Fame and I went to look it up and it said location closed and I was like, oh no, this breaks my heart. And I got on their website and they were like, no, new location on the strip straight across from Mandalay Bay. And I was like, yay. <laughs> so I ran and I told Char and she was like, god damn it. And I was like, you should have known. <laughs> That's funny. The things that you end up doing when you go on vacation, it's like going to Vegas to play pinball all right not i'm not going to play vegas to play pinball i'm going to vegas to play a fuck ton of pinball (laughs) like full full disclosure when i was in san francisco a few years ago we discovered like this classic arcade and it had games like from way back like old timey like the kind of games you would see in like cowboy movies all the way up to like games from the 80s and 90s and it is the only place in San Francisco I went twice because I only had a few days and I knew I couldn't have time to see everything. I'm like, can't, can't be repeating stuff, except maybe the arcade. I can go to that twice. Uh, nice. Um, but I did pick movies from when we get when I get back. Okay. So we're going to delve into that old chestnut theme of Vietnam PTSD with Tommy Lee Jones involved somehow. 
Okay. Uh, we're going to be doing The Park is Mine and Rolling Thunder. All right. Uh, I did... <laughs> I, d- I did check, and both of these are available, at least in the States, to be rented. Um, well, not. Can't confirm for Canada, so. Pretty sure I've seen Rolling Thunder, so it must be available somewhere. I have not seen either. Yes. So, both interesting movies. I haven't seen The Park is Mine, but I did pick it up on a uh, Blu-ray sale from Kino and have been itching to watch it, so I figured this is a good excuse. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Thunder, does the guy have like a hook for a hand? Sure like, does. All right, I've seen some, that one. Sure. People, some people rob him and throw his hand in a, yeah. <laughs> in a garbage disposal. Yeah, sure. So. That makes sense. Yeah, why not? So should be a good times. I'm sure there will be no discussion about uh, how sad it is to be a soldier who comes home and everybody hates him. You know, good stuff like that. Like that we like to cover. Yeah, we we like to keep things happy and light on this podcast. You remember when we talked about how those vampires were sexually abusive to that one girl for like an hour today? <laughs> like Dracula movie? Yeah, whatever. I'm talking about how that girl was being physically and emotionally abused constantly throughout that film. But yeah, we don't know how to stop that discussion. Yep, so send your complaints to freakwolf at gmail.com. <laughs> God damn it. Why does my email have to end the show, Noah? <laughs> Just because uh, I don't know Doug's off the top of my head. <laughs> I've yet to provide you with mine for this exact purpose. I don't think I do either, but I think I got it once to try to invite you to this Skype chat, but. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't even know if that is your email. I just know FreakWolf is your handle on pretty much everything, and most people have a Gmail account. Uh, that is. I've been dropping it more for the uh, Brian J. Wolford stuff, just because when I have to go to, like, State Farm to sign up for car insurance, and they're like, what's your email address? <laughs> and you realize, oh, I gotta say Freak Wolf, and that then makes me explain where that name came from. So then I just made up a Brian J. Wolfer Gmail account. <laughs> it just had it forward everything into my Freak Wolf account so that I could use that one account for both. I was like, I should probably have an adult email address so that That's I don't a- have to explain this shit. My account for a very, very long time was the headless clown at yahoo.com. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that into my mid twenty. Uh, yeah, like I still use the first email address I ever set up. Really? Just luckily, it wasn't funny because I didn't care at the time, so I just mm. went with whatever the default was when I was setting it. Like, Doug dot m dot polite Canadian <laughs> <laughs> No, but it does end in a dot ca. So. It's our first clue, Noah. We're going to figure out his email address but before this show finally ends. We've narrowed it down to all the possible internet combinations for Canada. <laughs> I mean, One step closer. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. 
Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.